Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, and welcome to the Ideas Roadshow podcast. I'm Howard Burton, your host and creator of Ideas Roadshow, and I'm delighted to be partnering with the New Books Network to offer you our uniquely eclectic blend of long-format conversations with a wide array of experts across many different subjects. The following discussion is a reformatted podcast version of one of Ideas Roadshow's first 100 film conversations that's available in print as both an individual ebook and as part of a five conversation collection in ebook and paperback. Visit ideasroadshow.com for more details. There are few expressions that have undergone as drastic a transformation as the media. Once the purview of a clearly identifiable elite, we now find ourselves in a truly multimedia age, with a dramatically heightened level of production and consumption of information in all of its forms, video, audio, and text. These days, it seems, almost everyone has something to say and the means to get their message out there, which makes it all the more important, I think, to take a careful look at the question of to what extent we can trust such messaging to be accurate. And it's hard to think of a better person to do so than the late Dennis McQuayle of the University of Amsterdam, one of the founders of the entire discipline of mass communications, who was consistently concerned about the essential question of how we can reliably judge the quality of the information we're receiving from all sides. You started off studying history, didn't you? I did, yes. I studied history. And I did become rather dissatisfied with history. for one thing, um, for another thing, I didn't find it easy to get the employment I wanted at the end of it. Anyway, I started, and I'd in in my late uh, in the late the last year of my study, I'd I had discovered by chance something called sociology, and uh, that was something that I hadn't been aware of at all until till um, that moment, and I examined the calendar of the University of Oxford and found that there, is, there, was only, there was one way to study some sociology in a postgraduate diploma, so I took that. Hmm. And uh, at the end of which, I was intending to, to find, and I developed very strong interest in social research and surveys and um, possibilities that seemed absent in history for coming to some fairly... Uh, well, generalizations for one thing, whereas history was very much uh, particularistic, especially in Oxford, there was, there was strong resistance to any general conclusions or theories about the world of the past or, I suppose, the present. So it was, it was a very English or British, untheoretical, empirical study, but empirical in a, in a kind of unsystematic way, whereas sociology promised um, enlightenment about the world on a, on a on a much larger scale, providing a framework and context. So, I I very much enjoyed that period of studying not just sociology, but it was a social science diploma, really. So this and was more out of a spirit of of general principles. Yeah, of, it was really beyond the particular. Was, no, but it was focused on the possibilities for res- social research of some kind, and I had. An idea of doing research in some more applied field, for instance, housing and planning, that was one one area where I, don't, I had an interest. But it so happened anyway that by the chances that in life that occur, I was um, uh, offered the possibility of working on a new 
a research unit that had been uh, set up just then, or was just being set up in Leeds University, and this was a, a project for uh, the study of the impact of television on British society, a topic which I had not really um, thought about before that moment. So I was not seeking to do that, although I had always been interested in film and... Um, this was in the 60s? In yeah, the 60s, it was the 50s, the oh, late 50s. 50s. Yeah, and uh, they, anyway, they, the world of television was only just a p coming into being, as it were, in Britain, because television at that time was only just reaching a majority of the population. Anyway, the um, the project was a was it was it was it was funded by Granada Television, one of the first of the ITV companies when they started commercial television in Britain. So it had it had a, a partly um, public relations, good works uh, origin. Um, it uh, but it also the 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 um, owner and. F uh, of the company, Granada Television, was also a, um, a socialist as well as being very rich and had ideas about um, doing good um, in society. And so the the project spoke to quite the strongly uh, felt anxieties in the, the um, Eastern cultural elites about the potential benefit or harm, or mainly harm, of, of this powerful new medium television, which had only just started to replace radio as the main entertainment medium. And um, so it was, it was a very interesting opportunity, and it did involve applying skills of um, um, data collection, experimentation, and surveys, and analysis, and all of which appealed to me very much. So, Did you find yourself a little bit in, over your head all of a sudden? I mean, this no, is no, a fair... No. This is um, well, I, I, I was inexperienced and young, but the, the, I, wasn't the, I was an assistant to a man who had a lot of experience in, in the study of, um, the, of, of audiences for BBC educational programming. His, his passion was also measurement of results and the means by which you can get, make the best use of, of a public meeting like broadcasting to improve um, general standards of education and knowledge in, in the society. So it was, it had a, um, a social purpose and, and it involved quite a lot of experience and knowledge and skill about uh, what factors in broadcasting were most likely to be effective in attracting and keeping interest and also um, uh, communicating essential points by way of either of different media, print, radio, and then audiovisual means. So it was a, at that time in the 50s, um, a, a, a major preoccupation of how media, different media, would perform in relation to each other. And it has, of course, earlier origins in um, the United States and in not, not only there, but also in wartime uh, research into propaganda, and not just propaganda, instruction and training, but also motivational propaganda for uh, the military or recruits or civilians population. So uh, there was a big impetus behind it. At that time, the late 50s, you heard in Britain anyway, a strong anti-commercial television lobby fearing the results of Americanization and trivialization and, 
advertising and consumerism and uh, uh, all these things instead of the more high-minded BBC uh, uh, mission. What were the results of this study? Well, the first, the first study in itself was that we, we made a, a long-term plan for a five-year plan. The first study was more or less given to us as a requirement and that was or taken as a necessity and that was a study of an election because there was imminently in the same year that the unit began and I, I joined it going to be by uh, inevitably um, a general election in the UK and uh, it was seen and it was the first time it was the first television election in the sense that uh, first time a majority of the population had television and also the first time there's a lot of re a lot of rules and limitations on um, political broadcasting had been removed so it was previous to that prior to that television was more or less kept away from the political process so there were very interesting questions about how this would change the nature of politics or how politics was conducted and did it um, well uh, it it did a little change the way politics was conducted because a lot of effort and expectation was put into uh, these the, the 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 party political broadcasts which were uh, by compulsion all broadcast at the same moment peak viewing time in the middle of an evening so they had actually very large audiences uh, and um, uh, that was that was a new factor it, it made a difference in that um, well let's uh, it's it, it appeared to be a more important means by which people heard about and things go on in the election. Uh, however, it didn't, anyway, the results were were pretty clear that um, the only really um, demonstrable empirical result of, of of television's part in the process of, of communicating the election was an increase in, um, uh, general increase in level of political information. So the medium informed, but it didn't change voting intentions in any systematic way so it didn't could be said not to persuade or not to motivate maybe not even to motivate I mean the model for the the work was uh, was studies done in the United States well there was this whole thing with with Nixon and Kennedy and the first televised debate yeah that was, was all, this was before that actually just right. before well, that. that's what I was going to say yeah, because yeah. I mean that's the story that I've Same. heard as a, as a non-expert yeah. you, you hear about how television had affected that election because of the sweat on Nixon's lip and so forth and, and people right. developed this visceral dislike to the man having seen him for the first time and I think he himself said were, were it only radio I would have won this election. Yeah. That, that was, that was part of the fear of, a, of a, an intervention of a, an irrelevant kind in the political process in the UK as a result of which no debates were allowed. So oh. there were no debates and many years, in fact not even now is there a proper framework for any kind of into of leader debate in the, in the UK, as far as I know, I don't think so. Um, every party uh, had power at one time or another, and, and no party, no government in power would yield any change in <laughs> the legal regulations that might conceivably give right. some advantage to their <laughs> opponents. So it was stalemate, and um, and that was the main political concern on the part of politics was. Television should have no, preferably no impact at all. Not no harm to have a bit of information, but 
better not to um, to intervene in any other way by way of personalities. And there were always cases where personalities were considered more or less attractive and appealing. Anyway, so um, it was a it, it, this kind of result uh, was it was was not unique. It, it lo quite a lot of research was oriented towards demonstrating the power of television, which was one of those expectations which came with generally with the, the, the different mass media since the 1920s and from film and radio and so on. Um, and the, 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 uh, the outcomes were nearly always in, in terms of so-called no significant differences that however, whatever research design or experimental method when applied, as long as they were, they were well done, um, uh, n no big change could be found. No nothing in, it's in public communication. Now there were clearly experimental situations for other communication purposes like education where differences were found and could be found, but in the public arena uh, there were too many other influences at work basically and uh, that, that, was, uh, that led to a general withdrawal of interest in for the time being, anyway, in the in the effects of um, of, of of the media. Um, so, how did this affect you personally? So, if there was a withdrawal of interest, uh, well, what, what happened it, on a personal it level me, for you? Well, it, it was a more immediate uh, effect in that my the, the uh, my immediate um, mentor and boss and uh, died unfortunately after a year when we were just starting our main project into uh, the longer term effects on the cultural life of the United of the people of Britain uh, and uh, the, 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 the project was put on hold and I was left to find uh, intermediate projects which I did I'd made a I did I wrote a thesis on uh, on television uh, drama and uh, uh, the again uh, following a, a, an idea that um, that television could intervene in um, the, the very strongly class-structured uh, pattern of, of popular taste because it was bringing, um, by way of, of drama, on both BBC in the f 50s and also in the late 50s, very much on, on ITV, commercial television, quite a lot of um, plays from the classical repertoire and newly written plays by up-and-coming authors about contemporary life. This was uh, considered by um, uh, a number of people as a, as a breakthrough for... Cultural enhancement of the Yeah, indeed, and a, and a whole new um, change in, in the, the, um, the distribution of, of interest in what might be considered to have be better culture or higher culture. And, and were people disenchanted at, at, at some point relatively soon afterwards when they started to see that perhaps television wasn't by no means exclusively used in this particular way? Well, I th what I think back? happened, what, what my research tended to show was that uh, plays of any kind um, all, uh, tended to fit into a pattern of expectation for certain kinds of satisfaction. So people want, if they wanted to be entertained, they might be entertained by a play, a Shakespeare comedy, without quite realizing that it was supposed to be a work of genius and studied intensively, and or or anything else. The 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 the, the cultural um, quality, so to speak, as determined by 
the the uh, the relevant elites and experts was really not relevant to um, the great majority of of television viewers who are just watching a play. It might be for different reasons. Sometimes to learn about life and be interested in the world around them. Sometimes for excitement or thrills. Sometimes for general diversion. And the key to the pattern of taste and demand and satisfaction and applause by the audience was some rather uh, continuous and stable pattern of expectations that varied according to dispositions and uh, life, life position and age and the, the usual range of human differentiating factors. So um, there was again a mistake to think that you can change fundamental t tendencies by um, a, a, an intervention which in, in, in the end turned out to be rather temporary because um, these, these, this, this sphere of high quality, as most people now agree, looking back, drama didn't last because it was taken over by um, alternative means of production of, of and uh, imports and competition between channels. Um, they, um, these plays, were, in the beginning, they were actually staged in in the studio and and just recorded. Oh, really? Deliberately uh, they, as they went out, they were they were not live, but they were they were continuous. There was there were recordings of an actual play being um, being performed in a studio, and I, I saw some of these these uh, events. Uh, it seems quite strange now. It was it was even strange then because films were not made like that. Anyway, that was how it was done. And is it difficult for for you? As, uh, as your career is evolving and as there is this explosion of possibilities that the new technology, mm. namely television, is bringing to the fore, um, there seems to be so many different things that one can study as a sociologist. Sure, if one is yes. looking at, at, yeah. at cultural issues, if one is looking at the impact of yeah. this technology on the thoughts and minds, on government policy, on, on, yes. um, on politics, on political right. issues, sociological issues, and so forth. Um, was it difficult sometimes for you to take your own particular predilections and your own biases uh, out of the conversation or with, uh, in terms of, well, I really am not so sure I should be studying this phenomenon or that phenomenon because I have passionate views about this myself in terms of what is the preferred direction for society to go? Or does that in fact enhance things? Or is it the case that you can say, no, I really want to study this because I care deeply and passionately about this particular result? Yeah, well, it's, I, I, it wasn't the latter, but it was opportunity and attraction of the moment. I, I, I was joined after a couple of years of this relative um, uh, anomie in, in a leaderless department or unit by a colleague who came from outside and was a political scientist. And we started to work together on new kinds of political communication research, which proved very fruitful. And I, you know, I enjoyed working with the the man, and I still, I went to his 90th birthday not long yeah. ago. Um, he's still going, and I, I find him uh, good company. Anyway, that was, it was, it was a sort of situational one. I had, I, I, I liked doing it, and I kept on and off doing similar things, but I moved on to, to other, other fields later, because uh, one thing about the life of a, 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 a researcher is you, there's no career, there was no career in it. And there is no career. You had to you had to have a, a proper job, as it were. And I had to get a job as a lecturer, which um, 
was not that easy. I mean, it was it was not that difficult to get the job, but it was not that it was not that easy lecturing <laughs> if you hadn't uh, if you hadn't got a, a strong feel for it or love for it or desire for it. Or much uh, experience for that. Matter. Oh no, no experience really. And um, the example of or examples of of lecturing offered by Oxford University are, are not not inspiring. <laughs> We're not inspiring. <laughs> I hope they're better. <laughs> Well, I'm not so sure, uh, but they were uh, not very well. I mean, they were excellently excellent experts. I mean, brilliant people. So, as your research moved on, tell me yes. about the the evolution of your research and the ideas and and, and yeah. Well, uh, the, 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 the 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 thought the what the the first direction, main direction, in the sense of alternative direction of research was um, into this uh, notion of uh, audience. Um, uh, motivations and the different motivations because the, the, the uh, a study of the next general election that I, I, I made with this new colleague was focused very much on the development of of a, a, a scheme for measuring the well in effect first of all establishing motives for watching politics on television at all or an, or reading about it or following politics and then building this into some kind of instrument which would relate the possible outcomes of um, uh, election and communication exposure to differential uh, motives. And this could be a difference between the um, motive to have one's opinions reinforced or um, the, uh, the motive to find some new guidance or, or light or make a new choice or it might be uh, the motive of excitement of following the election race, which has always been a strong uh, performer in this scheme of things. And um, that that was uh, that that proved to be actually more fruitful than our earlier research, and came up with some quite interesting results that explain some differences in the outcome between the different parties. Um, Anyway, that that was a the, the uh, that that was almost wasn't the last work in that area that I I did, but I did then was we made studies of um, a variety of programs in terms of, of motivation of people through so soap operas and quiz programs. Uh, on the whole, this was following American examples, which had been been uh, provided sometimes in the nineteen forties even of. Um, different um, uh, types of um, consumption of uh, media material. Anyway, um, however, I, I, I'd become a sociology lecturer and I needed to needed other strings um, to my bow, as it were, and got interested in um, media policy, uh, which was um, which was something that, that fitted the profile of the department I was working in rather more than audience uh, interests. But, but listening to you and having some familiarity with your work, it seems this is a natural progression for you to make. After all, um, you seem to be consistently consumed with passion about the, the public's um, access to information, how they use information, what that can actually uh, achieve, whether technology can affect it in a positive way, in a negative yeah, way, yeah. In, in any particular yeah. way whatsoever. I mean, at some level, media is just the, the tool to provide that, that sort of access. Yeah, if yeah. I'm 
The, the real issue is how does this affect the hearts and minds of individuals in terms of how they're going to act, yes. how they may vote, what they're going to do, how they react towards each right. other. I mean, right. your, your, your overall concerns are on a societal level, yes. and media is the mechanism right. by which you explore that. Is no, that a fair? You know, that's quite, that's, that is true. And, that, and I think that was the, the, the flaw, a major flaw in quite a lot of the approaches to studying media and communication effects, that it was detached from uh, a prior study of society, it was detached from fundamental knowledge of processes of human communication, which uh, really could have were not not out of were not beyond um, uh, the, the the range of different branches of knowledge, but had been had been explored in the fifties and earlier, and yet put aside, and uh, there was a it's kind of immediate payback in worldly terms to going to that the 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 question of in practice what is this what difference does it make you know, to advertisers and propagandists and educators and the the path by way of um, considering the, the the human context the, the very great diversity of um, of of the the, the whole all aspects of communication in a, in a, in particular lives, and that this was missed basically, and uh, it was slowly being became a corrective to some of the expectations of effect. So it became fairly clear that uh, much uh, communication was actually mediated through personal contacts, and even in a mass media themselves, do not, although they seem to be directly received by many people at the same time, really they are received in contexts of family circles or friend circles, they are discussed, they enter into conversation, they are filtered through all kinds of uh, barriers in the society and, and uh, in, the, in the social circle of particular groups in society rather. And that remains the case that um, we have to look at, at how communication is taking place in in, without reference to the technologies, uh, and that applies to the, the new media and the social media, so-called, as much as anywhere else, they, they, are, they, are, they are looked at in isolation from um, the, exact, the, the, the social relations that really underlie the, the use of such things, and partly that's because that's what the industry wants. I mean, that is what the development of the technology requires, that, um, we, um, that they, can, they can make claims for 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 social consequences without relevant without reference really to any fundamental concern or knowledge of precisely uh, where they fit into people's lives but um in the uh, i did give some i mean I, in that period i spent a little time in the united states a year in the annenberg school of communication and i i got preoccupied with the possibility of of pushing forward the idea of a, a sort of communication science it was a hopeless idea really but um i did try when i came back to write a but i did write a book about um communication as a social process in the early 70s which uh, looked with in which mass communication was just one chapter of 12 and 
it looked at organizational communication and interpersonal communication. What, so why, what why was it a hopeless case? Was it, well, case? Was it, it wildly wasn't, ambitious? No one, want, was it no one really or? wanted it, I think. <laughs> there was no home for it. It was, you know, universities or academies are organized in departmental lines and nowhere was, first of all, no one had ever agreed on what communication was. They couldn't define it. There had been quite a lot of debate and argument earlier in the, going back to the 30s about what is communication and no one ever came up with a, an answer. There was always a big debate essentially between those who saw it as transmission of facts and information and data, mm. uh, like um, well, in systems of... Uh, well, this is engineering uh, data packet yeah, transfer that, so it was, it was, um, Yeah, it was like that. It, was, it came from the, the world of the telephone and, the, and telephony and the, uh, the science, scientific basis of that. And on the other hand, um, there was the uh, perspective of, communic of on communication as sharing and, and communication is when people come together and become more like each other and that involves a process of kind of osmosis or um, and also has to do with content at some level. I mean, that, this is, seems to me a missing ingredient. As an outsider, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, we can communicate all sorts of things. We can have sure. a, a cat yeah. communicating meow to, sure. to, to another yeah, cat. No, we can have, we exactly. And, and, it's a very, and when you get to it, you, when you get to, the, to, to a level of any kind of detail, uh, the, 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 the territory disperses into fields which are hard to... Uh, based on any single um, uh, social scientific perspective, so you're in. You've got possibilities from psychology. You've got possibilities from sociology, um, but communicology never really appealed. <laughs> <laughs> Philosophy, yes. Um, uh, the but the, the this this um, divide over what communication is still was a sort of ghost in the in the history of. Um, communication and, and media studies with a, a continued um, tension between the empiricists who just wanted the facts and the outcomes and the, the mechanisms by which things could happen in a predictable way, and those who were content to observe, understand, interpret um, what uh, were uh, the subjective experiences of those who were involved in these different communication processes. So it was like quantitative versus qualitative, and it, it had to do with the mindset of those who, to some extent, chose to study these topics, and there's, a, there's a, an element of fashion in it at, at a certain point in the <coughs> 70s, especially the, um, the more interpretative school gained ground, and uh, it was, it was uh, in, connected with cultural studies and um, the, the, the study of the the study of literature, which was seeking a, a more secure base than it had in the world, the modern world. But there are these larger issues. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, concrete progress was made, it seems to me, and, and much of that progress, it seems to me, was also made uh, directly through your efforts. I mean, when, when you came up with the development of mass communication and, yeah. uh, in your book on mass communication theory, uh, that I would imagine was a watershed in, in terms of focusing people on on a set of theoretical concepts and practical applications of a particular uh, body of work. So this must have gone some way by and of itself to to define uh, a research area. Is that is that is no? That I think correct? that's true. I mean, the, the the 
and it wasn't it wasn't just me. There were other others and other uh, similar um, contemporary and in some cases earlier and um, works of the of which were doing a similar kind of job of of um, of providing this framework um, or building it and um, making it clearer. Um, but at some point it cut off, uh, and uh, at least in its uh, ramifications, and one <coughs> it was still based on a on a certain concept of of um, of communication um, as uh, as 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 them talking to 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 others. As well. it was a kind of um, a transmission process. Still, right. in the end, it was society. Communicating with its citizens or members, um, that was an underlying, not necessarily explicit, um, uh, element in this in this framework, and that that was the um, potentially. I mean, in a sense, that corresponded with the reality that if you took not communication, human communication in general, but public communication and the means of public communication, which tended always it always tended to come back to that. Um, then that was the guiding principle, whereas um, uh, that was not, a, in many cases, an ideal uh, situation or a wanted situation. That's the, another other, another aspect of this field and the way it has developed. There were always strong normative um, uh, elements in the framing of questions and, the, the, and of issues. And at the beginning, uh, in the, the strongest... Um, Normative issue, leaving aside just pure expediency of trying to um, uh, be more effective as a persuader, um, was a, a, a negative view of the mass society and the mm. the result of of uh, uh, of uh, these means of multiple one-way communication systems, which tended to produce mass behavior and were by some reckoned to be responsible for the the uh, movements uh, authoritarian or so, so that brings movements. up a question that I had wanted to ask you um, which is the the response that the, the that some public figures may have had you mentioned the word propaganda a mm. couple of times earlier media as a tool to manipulate was there any discontent uh, amongst members of the the ruling classes would they look and say who is who is this clown McQuayle with his with his uh, yeah. with his theories about how the, we're manipulating people and so yeah. forth did you get any any blowback from from uh, political I authorities I, I was insulated by the, the real <laughs> real perpetrators i had kept a, <laughs> I, I kept my head down um, right. was just, very wise of you <laughs> I was just a scribe who was who was um, um, reporting that there were these dangerous characters with these views that um, uh, were possibly um, a little bit un, un, um, unwanted. But I mean, here we then then in the, the, the this relates really to a a, a phase more um, well the first. The, f the first negative formulation of media, of mass media, as 
um, a, a, a dangerous phenomenon of, of um, uh, in society was actually a rather conservative one. It was seeing, it was seeing um, uh, the, the, the 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 media as a as destructive of um, the um, cultural life as controlled by churches and religious groups and family and established institutions. So it it, it was a a, a a fear in a way of of a mob or a mass. That conservative reaction was then later replaced by, especially after the Second World War and the in the 60s when you had the um, influence of uh, Frankfurt School and neo-Marxist ideas and um, revolts in the in the um, in the 60s by and people like um, um, uh, uh, I've forgotten uh, the names but anyway there was uh, several of the uh, n prominent scholars associated with the Frankfurt School who were immigrants from Germany in the 30s who promoted a certain view, mostly a very critical view of, of of the the mass media as um, a tool of capitalism and oppression, and that was that they were the, as I said, the, the real villains of the piece. I'm not serious about that, of course. The perpetrators. I didn't have to. I only had to, uh, and, and others to, report their their views. Um, but was uh, so they the were influential though, and and they caught they, they caught the imagination of of um, not just young people, but um, they were widely plausible and uh, still are as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, but so there's I'm looking at the the impact and the responses. Yeah. We had the responses from the political elites, yeah. and how it may have affected you. We, mm. we, but and you've, mm. you mentioned how you've kept your head down, and, and maybe this is the yes. reasonably but theoretical. Was, was and not, all yeah, these people at universities yeah, it was, who were it was not. I wasn't trying to be an activist, and I wasn't. I did. I mean, as far as I could work out, and I, one has to work things out for oneself. What the role of a a, a, a an academic or a scientist? I wasn't perhaps truly a scientist. I wasn't really, but still, I was. Uh, I was in a position where I was responsible for. Uh, answerable for what I said, as it and and it it would need to be at least I would need to believe in it, and um, um, I wasn't trying to, and I wasn't trying to influence in any particular direction, but still to say what I or report or what is to my mind um, the truth. Uh, you know, it was it was that kind of attempt to be a critical scholar but not not to advance a particular critical view of the institutions of society although that must inevitably follow sure. um, but there's also the effect as we talked about earlier of of influencing the discipline itself there's a, there's a yeah. meta effect about yeah. how the discipline evolves and how that and 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 how the discipline yeah. gains more respect attracts other people into the field you yeah. mentioned younger people yeah. of course there's a direct tie-in uh, uh, at some level, if you're doing mm. applied sociology, if you're trying to to yeah. investigate and and yeah. recognize the different effects that uh, yeah. that shape society's thinking, then uh, one has to be affiliated with society. Otherwise, it's just some abstract, purely yeah. theoretically removed endeavor that no, a bunch of eggheads in a university are pursuing. Well, you're right. I mean, one is definitely here dealing with issues of uh, that go to the heart of the 
the power structure and an exercise of power in modern societies. So they were not um, remote from uh, from what's going on, but uh, very close to what's going on, and they have implications. Whatever theory you, however you frame the your perspective, and that that creates well, it, it's a challenge to anyone who's trying to make sense of of, of different views. And of course, from 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 some some of the interventions in the field were more concerned with the political impact and effect of what they were saying or doing, and that's quite perfectly legitimate objective. It is not quite the same as what a social theorist should be doing. I thought. I thought. I still think there should be a difference between um, um, the the um, uh, interpretation of the world and the attempt to change it, so to speak. And when the attempt to change it begins to influence the interpretation and is given priority, then... Um, it may reduce the value, the theoretical value of what what is what is claimed or asserted, or, or what is reported. actually going on. So you at least have to face this this problem. And my own tendency was was not to be well, maybe a a tendency to sympathise with the critical view, but on the other hand, not to pursue it to a point where it was. It was losing touch with reality for one thing, and not and not going to be very effective. But that wasn't. But I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. It was not what I was when I chose as my role, or, or I wasn't expected to do that. And some people did it, and and, and that's that. That was. Uh, I, that's that is a that can, can be done. You can choose it. And they did it. You know, there was a choice to make. Uh, the study of media and communication, very much a critical inquiry. Uh, but that was true of other branches of um, of sociology and uh, right. social sciences. It was not... Uh, well, but that's all that. part of the definition of the field. It's a fairly large yeah. tent. Presumably is, yes. Some people have cappuccinos with chocolate, some people with cinnamon, some people... I mean, it, different people yeah, it have is. different... It is. No, 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 that's quite right. Um, uh, well, I... Um, the, all these things were in the back of my mind, but... Um, continuing a continuing strand in my I mean in order to make well what I was just going to say clear I have to say that um, something another if you like another um, paradigm was appearing in the in the, in the in the at a certain point, especially in the late sixties and the nineteen seventies, and it was linked to the the changing media and to the the influence of critical theory, and it had to do with the decay or decline of mass media. So um, that the, the 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 notion that the mass media were already in decline. Uh, was already being voiced in the right at the beginning of the seventies, hmm. and it was there was plenty of good uh, of basis for it. Mostly on a, on a coming from 
well, partly technological basis, but uh, the possibilities for uh, communicating uh, at will to the to the public for, by individuals or groups who are not part of the system, as it were, became were multiplying. So, and you had the examples of private radio, private television. These things could be done. You had photocopy machines. You had cassette radios. You had cassettes. Right. So you had opportunities to test. But all kind, you had um, the, even the, the, the telephone. No one had quite thought of what that could do at that time. But <laughs> nevertheless, it was there. Um, all, all kinds of individual and organization, organizable um, uh, means of communication could be assembled and deployed by groups not belonging to the system, not controlled by the system. So up to that point, nearly all mass media had been by, by way of the established newspapers or established broadcasting authorities, very much under the control of government. And but there were uh, glimmers of other there things. Was, there were certainly one. there was much more, much more than glimmers, and and uh, strongly expressed claims for grassroots communication, for alternative. You had community television. You had closed circuit television. You had a whole. Uh, 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 there were several of these technological developments opened up um, a new theoretical framework, a new paradigm, as it were, of, of liberation through communication, not control and massification. And this mm. is in the roughly in the 70s. Yes. Uh, so y you had alternative um, visions, could be called paradigms, for, um, for framing theory and framing expectations and what might happen, and the, the more liberationist paradigm did not in itself depend on technology, but it was nevertheless only realizable through technology. And it, it, it was also linked to developments in the third world and um, movements uh, on the part of third world countries to free themselves from the, the rigid um, systems of uh, news and entertainment um, distribution that can mostly controlled from the West, America and Europe, uh, or Soviet Union as it was. Um, so there are all kinds of forces in, in this direction. And um, the, the old mass communication, or mass meet that, that framework of centralized um, influence from uh, the power centers, institutional power centers, if not government, then uh, similar related um, bodies, um, was, was being challenged. And of course it's been challenged ever more. Ever more, ever more, since, yeah, since increasingly. And, and that, that, that is now, I mean, the problem, well, the issue now really is, is that it's been, and in the field it's been, I mean, for a long, then not for a long time, but once the, you know, the internet had arrived in the World Wide Web, uh, many researchers turned to the question of, how this will change, not, not the world yet, but the context in which previously um, uh, everything had been dominated by centrally provided distant um, sources. And uh, there were very new, optimistic, positive expectations of what, what could happen now. But if you look at this as a continuity, if you're, rather than this, this discon yeah, discontinuous yeah. that all of a sudden uh, the, the, the late 90s happens and then people can say, wow, we have the internet, we have, yeah. we, we have all these new ways of being able to communicate right. it, it, that are somehow opposed or at least can be positioned against the, the mass media. If one right. says, well, hang on, actually, 
there were opportunities from the 1970s yeah, onwards. We could say that. They're not, not realistically, not on that scale. And of they course. were required. This, these were, these had become a new kind of mass media. I mean, one was reluctant, at least. I, I, I found it difficult to know whether these things should be called mass media. And they, they're not in the same sense that the centralized printing and, and, and broadcasting media were. But they were mass in the sense of being very widely available and open for use to anyone and so on and so on. In that sense, they were a new kind of mass media with without a purpose that was they, they they were marked by diversity and independence and uh many other characteristics they came with no guarantees they were somewhat random somewhat they were novel anyway it was it was a big but it was gradual you're right it didn't break there was no there was no sudden new dawn it was it was all anticipated in since the um uh, since the the critique of the mass media, in, uh, as such, the old um, centralized mass media, had been uh, established as a fairly um, plausible um, understanding of the world, uh, despite that early evidence of no apparently no effects. That was that was um, that was not that was that was uh, put to one side because it didn't seem to. Con- didn't seem to accord with the reality of experience looking around the world. It did, it did not seem that there were no effects. It seemed that there were right. often quite big effects from from these media. Um, then, well, I, anyway, I, I, I it, with different hats on, I, I, I began, well, I, when I was in, in, in the Netherlands, I, 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 one a concrete consequence of going to the Netherlands was I, I, I no longer spoke the language that people spoke. <laughs> Which is quite a concrete. And they weren't <laughs> already to speak English. So I, I, I tried to speak Dutch or really? learn Dutch. Oh yes. Wait, wait, did you lecture in Dutch at all? I did. I did at a, at a, a, late, a late stage. And there was... That's quite an accomplishment. So you, you evolved to the point where you were able to I lecture did evolve, I did evolve. But then, then they said, well, I can't really speak English. <laughs> they do that, yes. yes. <laughs> the students. Um, however, I did in the end speak but, Dutch, but but it gave you uh, anyway. I, what I, it wasn't so much Dutch. It wasn't the language so much as the culture. I, I had a, I had I had lost a feel for the place I was li- I was living in. So that that was what made it hard to be, uh, to do the kind of work that I I had done, with survey material and focus groups and interviews and so on and right. I I lost a sense of the place and the history of where I was you know I, I lived there for 20 years but I I still couldn't really read the 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 the, the um, culture of the place and or I learned facts I read books but it took more. It needs much more than that to um, get to grips with it. The language is also a problem because I, even if I, how well I'd learned it, however well, I mean, I, I had a, I thought a, a quite a good, um, um, quite a, a good feel for English in the sense of expressions that um, 
I could use in colloquially and or that worked in interview situations. You know, I was in doing surveys or talking to people. I could do it. I thought quite quite well and I enjoyed doing it and that Certainly. part of it. Now, however much you, I could never learn the language in a way that would enable me to do that in Dutch. And when they're translated, it doesn't work. It doesn't produce the same nuances of meaning and. I, I, in this, to that extent, I withdrew from the practice of direct personal conduct of research. I, there was still research going on that I was linked to with colleagues and students, but but that I, led I you to a more it. theoretical. I did. Yeah, I moved. Level. To, that's where, uh, and the the main then, the the main th theoretical point. I then, well, I was in two things really. Uh, one intervening event that happened before I left England was I was um, seconded to the Royal Commission on the Press to make a study of um, standards of press performance, so-called, and um, this involved uh, developing concepts uh, that, uh, like diversity and objectivity and uh, sensationalism and, and things of that kind, or, or that could be applied to uh, make a uh, judgments about the about the British about British newspapers. This was, the purpose of the thing was to respond to many criticisms of the British press in particular. It was just about the British press. I worked for a year on this, on developing the concepts and applying them in content analysis, and uh, it was uh, it was theoretical and empirical, and it produced a, a volume of findings that the commission used for some purpose which had no consequence but nevertheless it was well, it was part of the production now it was it had it was it wasn't really it was quite valuable i think to be to do it and it was theoretical and practical and i, I enjoyed doing it and it had it had i hoped some beneficial outcome but it, it's hard to, to see that looking even immediately after it anyway i went when i was in the netherlands i, I found there was quite an interest in doing this sort of work there as well, and and in uh, making uh, the evaluation of um, their pub not so much the newspapers, but their public television services more accountable by by having uh, tools, mechanisms, or not mechanisms, but tools and, and verbal tools and conceptual tools to do something systematic for for evaluating content and performance. Um, so that brings me up to journalism and society. Yeah, and uh, which is a book that you came out with quite recently, two thousand and thirteen. Is that right. is that correct? Although, of course, no, that's right. Yes. Uh, of course, uh, as we had spoken about earlier, these are not only uh, issues that that you have been ruminating uh, over for long periods of time, but the evolution of the book itself yes. started yes. off in in one. Uh, started started off in uh, the evolution of the book started off in in one direction or, or one manifestation years earlier is that is that correct tell me tell me how that started tell me how the genesis of of journalism and society began um, well I had um, a, a, a contact and friend at the University of um, Yekaterinburg in uh, in Russia and uh, he he ha I'd done a couple of things for him he for his little magazine um, that he had for his students, and he asked me to to write, if I could, some small small text on uh, uh, theories of of 
of journalism. This was in ninety. Well, no, no, not ninety. Well, a few years ago, not not so long. And uh, I, I, so I did that, partly drawing on things I had written already, and just put together something that I thought was a summary perspective on theories for students who were perhaps unfamiliar with some of the ideas. So these were written for undergraduate students? Yeah, these were the, the, the Russian students of journalism in this university. Right. So they had no wider publishing plans at all, and I hadn't th thought of it as a, as a published publishing venture. But um, I had um, already got, um, I mean, I had my own strong interest in 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 journalism, but not that at that point um, expressed very much, except in the work I did for the Royal Commission on the Press, and so I very much enjoyed enlarging it and bringing together um, perspectives from on different aspects of the the position of journalism and in relation not only to um, well in terms of of key issues to do with freedom and accountability and relationship to power. These are uh, issues that resonate very strongly with a wide variety of people. You don't have to be an undergraduate no, journalist. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, but undergraduate journalists are, I, 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 undergraduate journalist students, um, I, I, I thought could, and I was thinking of first or second year level, could benefit from uh, um, some, well, it wasn't neat for me to say that, but I, I'm sure this would be a reasonable thing to say, benefit from a, a wider perspective than just the craft or or task of journalism and the, the practical things that they have to learn anyway. So it was a it was a, a a larger perspective on what they were doing in terms of their their role in society, which I think is a pretty important one. Or very I think it's it, it's essential. But I mean, the the yeah. in, an interesting dynamic that you bring out is not only the the role of the societal role of journalists, mm. but also uh, so not so much what journalists have to contribute to society and how they contribute to society, but, but almost the other way around in, in a way, how society impinges on journalism and the, and yeah, the, and the sure. give and take between uh, mm. the, these two structures and, and, and how society structures journalists yeah. and how journalists, in fact, themselves structure right. society. You get, you get political power that comes out into play. You yeah. have this, this role of propaganda. Yeah. You have freedom of the press. You have liberty. You right. have truth and so forth. Um, these, are, these are questions that I think deserve a much wider airing and a much wider yeah. readership. Um, have, did other people uh, respond to this as well? Is, this some, is, is the level of readership something which surprised you, or, or were you encouraged not by that? Yet, not, not yet. I haven't had it. Well, uh, I have... Uh, it, generally, it's been welcomed in the educational environment. What the wider consequence or reaction is I have no feedback at all on in the, the year since, it's only a year since it was published. Right. And that, sometimes it takes quite a while for the things to, I didn't expect it to make a, an impact because I wasn't, I was bringing things together in a, in a, in a way that maybe is not, is not, is not very accessible in other places and it was doing something new, but it wasn't in itself very innovative and I though the it was fed in it was fed by by preoccupations that I had for a long time so so let's talk about some of those preoccupations well um, in um, uh, 
First of all, I, I, I mentioned the development of concepts, evaluative concepts that could be empirically applied and tested. So one could make statements about the quality of the media or media systems of, of particular press organs or broadcasting associations or whatever services of, of, of media um, in, in terms of, well, in, 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 uh, in, in a wide range of of, of terms in informational quality terms, in uh, communicative possibility terms, in diversity terms, balance and bias and and uh, those those things, and also in the in the independence and freedom that is being um, uh, that is available to to journalists in theory anyway, or to the press, uh, how this is being used, whether it does actually make any impact on the, the how the performance goes because media very greatly and how far they're willing to use their independence they're, they're often inhibited and often pressured about it but it seems to me that for someone who's been studying the press critically and rigorously from the royal commission yeah, in the yeah. 70s all yeah. the way through the through the present it seems to me that you're uniquely positioned to be able to not only have measured thoughts on, on these issues, these fundamental issues on a societal level, but also the evolution of, of the press and how things have changed. I mean, the, this commission was in the, the 70s, you, you said? So this was... That was this, in the 70s. This roughly uh, co coincided from an American perspective with the Watergate uh, uh, hearings. And, you know, this is, this is something that, um, that, uh, that for myself was a, was, was a landmark in terms of the uh, the role of of the critical press and you yeah, have right. uh, you have journalists who were raised on the the lore yeah. of all the president's men yeah. and Woodward, uh, Woodstein and Woodstein I think is the, yeah. the epithet but anyway on, on Carl Woodward and uh, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward um, but you you've seen this evolve to uh, the present day situation where the media it seems to me that journalists yeah. are the the world of journalism is widely transformed you have much greater concentration of power right. in terms of who owns the various media outlets yeah. you you have what many would consider a, a, a critical dumbing down of, uh, of of media to the extent where there is a, a, a vast diminishment of investigative journalism. Really? There, there is not an opportunity for the media to serve their critical societal function in, in terms of being able to inform the body politic and inform the citizens. And at the same time, you have technology being involved so that so many people are able to contribute towards what is broadly construed to be journalistic practices using their iPhones to be able to photograph tanks that are moving from one place to another and so forth. So it seems as if we've, we've witnessed a, a real transformation in the, in the role of journalism and the utility of journalism and the, and the manipulation of journalism in, in our society. But, but uh, that's my perspective as somebody who doesn't pretend to really understand these things. Is, is that something that you would concur with or, or are things basically the well, same and it just looks somewhat differently? This is where there are a lot of differences between countries and regions and, and media systems, and it, it's a bit hard to to generalize. Some of the things you've said, I certainly think, are quite quite true and 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 valid. And uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm not quite sure that in the United Kingdom, which wasn't a great performer in the 70s, is 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 significantly worse now. In 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 a sense that there is. Uh, there's it, 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 the the focus in the seventies, 
uh, from the position of a thing like the Royal Commission on the Press was not on on the liberating role of the press. It was on diver It was essentially the, the key thing was was two things: objectivity, so-called, that people think thought it would be possible to have an informative, reliable journalism based on facts, which is somewhat a doubtful proposition or expectation. And the other thing was that it should not be monopolized by any particular in political party or right. interest. Or power structure. Uh, the, I mean, it was, it, then there was already quite a high degree of, of political, of, of monopoly and 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 there still is, and the the monopolists have changed to some extent. The different different monopolists in charge, although Murdoch spans the thirty years, just about, uh, I think. Um, but the this, I mean, then the situation in Eastern Europe is quite fundamentally different because they they did have a genuine release in the in the nineties from uh, a monolithic control and there was a flowering of free and independent publications and so on and and that um, remains partly true of, of a good deal of Central and East Europe but the, the, the Russian case is a is a regression um, at least it certainly it certainly appears to be since in the last 10 years having having made considerable very great progress from the Soviet day so um, and in various countries around the the world, I think you've got well um, very different situations. But I think a, one thing you've got is a a, a stronger sense of a, a a global journalistic profession that share with each other aspirations and problems, and that that is a strength. And it's um, some of the norms of of uh, of journalistic freedom are have been strengthened. But on, on the other hand, what the empirical research, not so much mine, is what I, I, can, I, can, I can gather from studies, of, especially comparative studies of journalists, is um, the, the strong um, evidence of a, a public grassroots resistance to too much freedom, as it were. Really? So, so how, how, how so? Well, it's based on a notion of some, maybe patriotism sometimes, um, nationalism, in some cases, uh, a wish for order and a critique of the excesses of the press. So, um, and that can can move into the area of uh, opinions that are dis disruptive of order or threatening. So, the 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 climate of of fear around um, uh, terrorism and so on is c contributes in part to. Uh, a fear of too much, um, uh, too much freedom. The, the press should should have limits. So there's a willful self censorship. Is, and some, it's, some it is a yeah, and it isn't a well. There is self censorship, but I'm I'm thinking there is a there is a, in varying degrees a popular support for this view. Instead of instead of supposing, and as instead of the as one might suppose, uh, it's it's only the powers that be that want to limit the, the, the activities of the press, it, it isn't. There is a, um, a strong constituency that sees this as, as um, and this is true of the United States as far as the, the evidence goes, perhaps more so than, than other places. Um, but isn't it, couldn't it be argued that this is, this is um, a vicious circle to some extent? Couldn't it be argued that one of the reasons for this collective expression of 
willful suppression of, of, of some information in order for, to, to fulfill mm -hmm. security needs, patriotic needs, yes, what have yeah. you. Um, that in itself is a product of the fact that the, so many people are not sufficiently well informed, not only of the facts on the ground, but also at the meta level of the role of journalism. I mean, if you don't have enough investigative journalists who are around, for yeah. example, if you don't have a, a society with a, with a, uh, that is pervaded by a spirit of critical inquiry that the journalists serve, mm -hmm. then the members of the society themselves don't fully appreciate the value of that and then will be much less reticent to actually uh, allow or tolerate or perhaps even encourage measures that would, that would limit press freedom. Wouldn't that follow to some extent? Well, I think, uh, no, I think you're right. And, and that's also very probably the case that there isn't a widespread understanding of that critical role of journalism or the significance of it. Even amongst, even journalists are not fully agreed on this. I mean, they, they, they divide significantly according to the priority they attach to um, critical um, perspectives on, on, on whatever it may be, various sources of economic and political power. And, uh, and it's not just um, through uh, self-interest, self it's to do with some sense of, of um, I, I'm not quite sure, and I won't pursue that because I'm not. I'm not sure why. This is, why. This is the part, but, per, per, but, part of this conversation. It's the speculative yeah, part. Uh, I, uh, if I think why, why, I think it's to some extent. It's not so much journalists. It isn't just journalists, but also the the positioning of the the mainstream press it, as a. Uh, an institution in society with certain sense of obligation, with all kinds of links to clients and contacts. So it's not, it's not, it's 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 part of the society. The press is not a separate uh, uh, body. It may have a, it can be identified. It has particular tasks, but it's also very much integrated with interests and uh, and, and and persons and personalities and. Family and personal contact, so it's 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 in there, and uh, uh, unlimited freedom is is a and exercising criticism on a, on too much of a basis is is seen as potentially as as not what the, the, they see their role as. They they many many don't. I mean, some do and some don't. It's a it's a, and it's also a case that the established press. Um, doesn't see all necessarily all that much profit in the, this kind of activity that some some kinds so of criticism kind of are uh, financial profit yeah, you mean, direct, well, direct that, I mean, economic self-interest right. yes with in with advertisers with the public the audience may get tired of of this uh, campaigning and they may not really want it they want various forms of of uh, uh, diversion entertainment human interest entertainment and so on there's a whole there's a whole structure of of demand and expectation in which the desire for critical perspectives on society and more information about what's going wrong has a limited market in the audience market and um that that tends to uh, to make the the critical role except under you know extreme situations uh, well, certainly diminishes the critical it diminishes, role. But it's also a mixed role because um, you, you've got, um, and, and part of the reason for 
a public opinion that wants uh, some degree of, of, of control of, of media and the press is based on um, their of criticism of what they they do in in in, in often in sensational reporting and and um, various forms of bad behaviour that they they do they do undoubtedly get out to. So it's a kind of I think I think one has to recognise that um, the press is not. They're not particularly virtuous. The media are not in themselves uh, a virtuous organisation, and they are not seen as such. And uh, it's not widely understood that um, a certain amount of licence has to be has to go with the benefits of, of freedom and free expression and free opinion. Right. And the two but things get mixed up: a desire for punishment of of, of clear, well, not clear, but perceived wrongdoing, and. Um, and uh, and also um, control, but but this is this conversation is 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 fascinating, but um, but to some extent frustrating for me. So let me describe my frustration mm. to you. So my frustration is that I feel that I am I have the opportunity to be sitting across from an eminent sociologist who has thought very deeply about these issues, who is tacking rigorously between these two poles that you had described earlier, describing a situation, giving a lay of the land, getting a perspective and an understanding of how these dynamics are are acting in a very objective, non-personal way to do that rigorous analysis. And at the same time, there's the dentist who has his opinions. There is the dentist who who would like, I'm sure, in a private conversation to be speculating upon what might happen in a, in a better world or what might happen in a worse world or where the frustrations are. And I would like to talk a little bit more with the second Dennis, who can give me a sense as to, as to where the media, in, in his opinion, is, his, his, his opinion based upon a wide variety of, of uh, professional experience, but nonetheless not with, a, without any rigorous sociological studies to back this up, out of a sense of, of whether or not the media is doing its job and how it might be doing its job a little bit better. Because for me, as a man on the street, that's what I really care about. I mean, I can look at it and say, take the example that I gave before about the decline of investigative journalism or the fact that journalists do seem to be sensationalistic or the fact that so many stories seem to be boiled down to incredibly trivial sound bites or the fact that I don't get a balanced perspective or the fact that I, I have pundits who come on television shows who are self-proclaimed experts, who themselves I have no, I have, who, in whom I have no confidence whatsoever that they actually have any deep objective understanding of the situation. This, as a man on the street, this frustrates me. Now, I am not a, a professor of media studies. I am not someone who is involved in the world of journalism. But I have a few obvious questions that I would like to pose to someone who has that experience, which is, has it always been like this? Am I misremembering things? Is it going in the right direction or the wrong direction? Are there ways that we as a society can somehow improve so that we can make the media fulfill what I consider and what what you may consider and what other people may consider to be their primary uh, societal function, where in some ways they have been dropping the ball? Or am I completely misguided? Is it the case that none of that is happening and in fact everything is going jolly well wonderfully and, and, and I'm the one who should take a reality pill and, and I'm just becoming this cranky old man. I mean, it, it could, could be yeah, that as well. I, I think your first, your first uh, indication, uh, suggestion is that it is not the only truth 
there, but the the fact that it has always been thus is pretty much on the on the ball. Uh, uh, um, uh, I don't go back all that far, but I I cannot I I, I cannot when I if I try to think think about what the media were like, and I knew them to be like perhaps looking back in in the earlier years when I followed the news pretty pretty closely as a as a reader and member of the public in the 50s and earlier um, then things were were not as good I don't think they were not as good I think there was much more inclination to I'm talking about my own experience sure. to I'm asking uh, to follow to um, authoritative guidelines I mean the the, the war coverage in the UK was very much a propaganda effort like, like everywhere. And that spirit of um, controlled information flow, where, not spirit practice of control of information flow, was both um, respected by the media on the whole, press and, and radio and then later television. And television and radio were very much um, uh, ultimately um, subject to oversight by uh, interested politi politicians and and other authorities, and they didn't uh, they didn't even want to overstep the mark, and they didn't certainly go in for much. They went for minor investigative activities, and uh, certainly the, talking to the BBC, ITV had a bit more freedom and did produce a bit more investigative results, but it was still ultimately dominated by motives of maintenance of order and income and and keeping the business turning over and having having customers and audiences. But uh, the point, uh, I mean, for some, for, um, leaving that aside, and I wouldn't like to set myself, and I couldn't set myself up as an evaluator of the, of the quality of, of the media. I think the, it's clearly not, not performing very well. Uh, vast areas of it are failing in, 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 many, in many respects. And, and uh, as I said, I think they always have. Um, the question is what to do about it. Uh, one of the other strands of my activity has been in thinking and, and researching has been in, in the area of policy. I've, I have always, well, for a long time, been interested in what you can what you can do about it, or what can be done that could right. realistically make a, a difference. And if you apply the the criterion of realistic expectation about the implementation of any mechanism of betterment or 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 monitoring or um or surveillance of of what's going on or quality control very little <coughs> seems possible but you need to have a a notion of how how to do that that's that that is consistent with if if that's what one wants and wants better media uh when when cannot impose it by diktat, obviously, because that would deny the whole basis of freedom of opinion and the freedom of the press. And so someone's dictum would be... Hmm? A, education, education is part of it. And your book I, is hopefully I, I trying worked, to contribute I mean, to I worked, there was another book I wrote and in, in published in, 10 years ago called... Um, oh, what's it called? Freedom of Publication and... Uh, Media Accountability and Freedom of Publication. And that tried to face up to the the... The contradiction between media freedom, certainly as as in 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 the form of 
of, of journalist freedom, which is really non-existent because journalists are not are not free really to they don't have the right of expression that that you or I have because they're working for organizations that, that become accountable for what their these employees do and the employees do what they they have to do it's their job to do what they're in, in, up to a point they're they've got a certain area of freedom but basically they don't choose right. what to say and what opinions to have because it's not their not their part but the editor does that can we change that but, somehow? Is there um, no, I don't think you can. I don't think you can accept by diver, by diverse provision, and there can be different media. And that was the the promise of of new media that it would open up, and it's still it's still not un, not impossible. It's still not really fulfilled, but in in small ways, it it's not it's not ab, it's not absent. There are alternative sources and little channels and blogs and so on, which. <coughs> um, if only they were uh, had a, a public or a, an audience, would m make a very big difference. But it, leaving aside the question of who is reached by this possibility and who has, uh, in practice, access. Everyone has got theoretical access, but in practice, life doesn't make that access available. The question is how, and it came up with recent controversies about the press in the UK and the problem of what to do about the press complaints um, uh, 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 um, commission that they, they had that failed to do anything to deal with serious complaints but how do you how do you square that that circle or bring to or reconcile freedom and and accountability and um, the book as I mentioned was was basically oriented trying to solve that that problem I don't know I can't say I did but I could I could only at least reach the conclusion you cannot you cannot achieve the result you want in this direction of improvement by or reform by punitive means and, and punishment and criminalization or effective illegalization of certain types of activity. But it has to or be more pretending positive. to know how, what is good or what is bad. And uh, on the other hand, if you have no, it can only be done by, you know, on, a, on a voluntary basis, but by a, a form of accountability which is part of it should be part of ordinary human co communication that we we are we should be answerable for what we say and do and 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 in public and be transparent about it and in that direction well there's no way of imposing such methods but it's an expectation that can be um can you encourage it? You, I mean, what, no, you what, can't what, impose it. You cannot impose it. But you no, can, no, I didn't say you impose can it. Develop, can, you, you, can you encourage you can it? How encourage do you... it. Or you can encourage it because I think it does appeal to um, to journalists. It appeals to to some editors. It doesn't appeal, of course, to the, the highly highly controlled um, management freaks. Um, it doesn't necessarily interfere with economic purposes of 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 uh, journalism and news and, and the, new, the news business um, but it, it does uh, uh, it, 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 it should develop an expectation that those who 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 are offending against what are the different norms that have been mentioned um, should should answer for it should speak up for it well uh, uh, it, it can happen through professional development of, of, of journalist associations is not a complete right. fantasy. It's possible that journalists do have um, have have, uh, have become, in, in some ways, journalism has 
become itself more theorized. Journalism education seems to me to have um, improved. Um, there are quite a few now journalist publications for journalists with contributions from journalists. All right, there are a lot of academics writing things that journalists won't, won't ever read. But nevertheless, um, uh, the, 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 I think the field, and by way of the educational process, by way of publication, by way of professional um, uh, aspirations and higher status of journalism, except their status is being diminished by, by the by the, the decline of of the traditional industries. I mean, that's one of the, well, the big big crisis, the problems. Yes. Right. It, yeah. I, just, I, I wanted to ask. Uh, I wanted to pick up on this and, and mention mention two points. We had talked earlier about this notion of this two way street, as it were. This 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 dialectic between. The uh, the journalist listening, the journalist with society and society with the journalist yeah, to some okay, extent, yeah. and, and these constraints. Yes. Um, and for the most part, we've talked about how journalists should serve, how might they be encouraged to serve. We, we can't mm. punish them into doing a, no, a better job no. in this particular way. We can only encourage them. But there's also the sign of whether journalists, and by journalists, I don't mean necessarily the individual journalists. I mean no. the entire structure. Yeah. Um, can be sensitive to either the actual will of the people and the needs, the societal needs that exist, or the potential societal needs that, that exist. I mean, th let me be very concrete. If I'm living in a place where I'm finding, you know what, I'm just not getting the right sort of information. I'm getting mm. propaganda here, I'm getting propaganda there, but I'm really not getting that sort of information. It's not, it's not intuitively obvious that um, if I were a well-meaning member of the journalistic establishment, I would have access to that level of frustration because it's not as if I'm necessarily, you, you can measure that very mm. easily. I'm not buying this publication as opposed to that publication. Maybe I'm fed up with all of them. Maybe I don't watch television news mm. anymore because I think television news is lard, it's yeah. rubbish, it's, it's garbage, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm not participating in all of these blogs because I think, well, these are just people screaming from the rooftops. Yeah. So is, is there a need that, that the journalistic industry needs to have? Is, is there a, 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 a better way that, in fact, it can, it can be sensitive to societal needs that are latent that, or, or that are actually existing right now, that can tap into this sense of frustration? Because I don't think I'm the only person who's frustrated by the fact that, you know what, I'm not super impressed by what's coming to me in terms of, of no. journalism. And it's no. not that I think all journalists are stupid or that they're corporate conspiracies or presidential conspiracies or anything like that. But I think at the end of the day, when I am when I go to a newsstand or when I turn on my computer or whatever, I I don't have a sense that I have access, notwithstanding the technical opportunities, I have access to the quality and diversity and breadth of high-level informative sources that I would like and that probably the journalistic community itself would like to have. Well, I think that is that is is um, not uncommonly. Not surprising to hear, and I don't wouldn't say I felt much better positioned for what's going on in the world. But I mean, I make choices amongst what is available as far as I can to maximise what to me seems to be um, most reliable source, and this not not a, doesn't produce necessarily great results but it does produce some results and I and um, I'm um, 
I, I'm not. I don't feel one is the the point. Part of the point is: is one being deprived in a systematic way, right? And or is it just kind of random or structured by the needs of the the business and the daily organisation, or required to put together a package of information of a certain balance on it? And I, I know, to, I know from my, you know, I know that that is the case. A lot of it is that one has to make some allowances for the circumstances under which this product is being put right. together and 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 offered to you. And I have a sense for you know, develop a sense for what is um, honest and 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 probably true and better than I could understand things. Or so selectively one puts together some picture and the best one can look for in terms of 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 structures is um is is really is a, a, a openness and diversity of alternatives and any any tendencies towards um monopolization within the same business framework or or structure or type of <coughs> financing is is inimical to inimical rather to um, the outcome of an informed citizenship. So, so what do we do about that? You had mentioned well, I mean, that you, before. That's I mean, certainly something you can do. That's nothing to do with. That does not offend the freedom of the press. And there's one plank of policy that remains at least somewhat above the fray, and that is oh, not in, well, just you said just you about is anti-monopoly <laughs> and anti-concentration laws. Right. These are these are legitimate in. The, the the business or the, the the framework of capitalist society that that is an acceptable intervention, whereas giving subsidies to uh, different publications to voice somewhat deviant but new views or alternative views is not, um, although it does happen still a little here and there. And, and what about state place. media? I mean, we, we haven't state talked media, explicitly well, about that. No, I I I haven't because I think. Um, I, I think they too are, are 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 very different from each other, and I you know I kind of learnt that in in Holland that there it's certainly changed, but not completely changed. Um, the arrangement for uh, making sure that there were diverse views was to divide up the the whole production and management and effect in effect ownership, or not not financial ownership of different broadcasting organizations in, into different, uh, um, uh, f between different groups who were constituted in theory by associations of members who paid a, a subscription. And, and this was public television uh, with a central facilitating organization the, uh, that provided the news. Now the news tended as a result to be, well it was influenced by, it was tended to be pretty much like BBC News, but did have uh, obligations to be to have different points of view. Well, that was quite a different system from the the British one, and quite different from some other continental varieties of, and actual practices. <coughs> so, uh, um, the, the, the and the state position of the state in relation to public media is is, is positioned um, in in slightly different way. All right, fundamentally, there's a tension between. Uh, 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 state or in ultimately state-sanctioned forms of financing or controlled forms of financing and performance by broadcasters 
Are there yeah. places that, that do it better than others? If you had to, if you were, because I know you're very familiar with a wide number of different countries and practices. If you were to, if you were to point to um, countries or or, or 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 regions where they seem to get the balance better well, than others, where where, where well, would you point I, to? I, I, I couldn't because, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be any it would be no point if I, I mean I couldn't because I don't have up up to date information. At one point, I might have said the Dutch system is a very good system. But the fact is, it wouldn't it wouldn't work anywhere else uh, necessarily, and, and sure, actually, but that's probably another, not. And, and that that's would be still question, true, right? I mean, that, we still, you know, the, the BBC doesn't have a have a chance of working in the United States now. Maybe for good reasons or bad reasons, not not necessarily good reasons. I don't think it it would be it it, it could work because uh, of cultural reasons, uh, because of uh, uh, the, the various wishes um, of society, uh, corporate structure. Yes, it wouldn't. You name it. <laughs> no one. I mean, has no friends basically, except a few oddballs. I, I would say there, and not necessarily with any justice, uh, but just, um, for instance, even calling it state media is a slightly sore point. <laughs> um, the BBC would not accept that designation, and I wouldn't either. Really, I would never use it anyway because um, it's 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 not a state broadcaster in the sense of some some. Uh, um, but but I, I think I, that's that's you know where we've passed that station. There's not much, there's not much future. I mean, there's there's a future for for public broadcasting, but it's it's a minority one, and it's already a minority one. It will remain so, and uh, it won't necessarily disappear. But it's it's got uh, its own struggles about financing and how it copes with the digitalization and the the online world, where it's not got a real mandate and it has to fight for it and there's the very strong interests uh, working against it all across Europe. So turning towards the future, yeah, um, and, we're, and we're we're moving yep. uh, very much in that direction. Uh, I want to take a page out of your book and say it's it's important to diagnose the issue. It's yeah. important to do it objectively and rigorously, um, but it's equally important to think about public policy. To think about okay, well, this is the situation. This yes. is the lay of the land. What do we actually do about it? You've highlighted uh, significantly, and in my view, quite rightly, of course, all different sociological cultural factors that it couldn't, whatever works in Holland, whether it works or it doesn't yeah. work, or whether yeah. it did work at some time, you can't immediately transplant it to the United States or to, mm. to Papua New Guinea or wherever. Um, it's not necessarily appropriate. But I do think most people are very much of the view that things are whether or not they think things are ap apocalyptic or whether they think things are, are just suboptimal, most people are of the view that as far as the media goes, uh, we could be doing a better job. The broad brush, broadly defined we. And the question is, so what do we do about that? If there's a limited future for, for public broadcasting, mm. we are now living in an age of different technological tools. We have mm. different models. You mentioned anti-monopoly legislation uh, mm. in terms of one concrete thing that we should certainly be vigilant about. Are there other things that we could be doing or should be doing to be making the situation broadly defined more coherent, more productive, more informative, so that the body politic can actually play a more significant role in, in what's going on than what it might ordinarily do? Well, I think one uh, uh, general point is one one does have to look at the level of the, of, of of structure, and um, try not to focus too much on particular failings and 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 faults, which uh, are not are subject to 
disagreements and are impossible actually to validate, although they might be very entire, very convincing indeed. Uh, it's hard to, to to prove, and there's there's no not a great deal of personal judgment. You need to make your judgments, but I think for a society to make that kind of normative to to work on that sort of normative judgment is 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 not is 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 risky anyway, and it's it's not going to be effective. So I think one needs to to consider that, go back to what is what I said about diversity of structure and alternative means of. And here, the, the the there are different. We have we've had different forms of 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 transmission. So we've had um, had printing press centralized and distributed physically by by hand or, or surface, and and then we we've had broadcasting, and then um, an advance on that is sort of more or less unlimited. Um, uh, 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 airtime uh, um, availability, and then this internet, with, which is the sources on demand, in theory, um, and we've got the new developments of social media, which claim to provide a, another extra networking level for publics and members of societies and and communities. And I think um, what needs to be challenged anyway is the. Um, the claim of these these media to well, I think one 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 sees happening to to my my my, my glimmering without well glim, more than a glimmering but 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 pro, provisional assessment is that we are getting a, a, um, a, a new form of 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 monopoly of what were once. Um, the, the, the certain very large um, media uh, organisations like like Google and um, and and um, whatever the, the equivalents are, or um, Facebook, and are acquiring an, a great power in in uh, in the whole market over with ramifications that affect the traditional. Press and broadcasting, and it's being done in the name of freedom and uh, diversity and choice and um, uh, endless possibilities, but actually um, not really having that as its purpose. Its purpose is to maximise the income that can be gained usually from secondary advertising and so on. And thus not having it certainly necessarily and as its outcome. to do with the goals of and. It's a denial of um, of the, the the real of the the promise of the internet that was and the World Wide Web as it was as it was made in the, the when I say promise it wasn't a no one promised it but it was an expectation widely believed in and a potential and, and potential a potential that's been been um, um, lost or not fully wasted or not on. not yeah not not. Uh, not realised because there isn't there isn't a, a motive for it. There's, I mean, there's no motive to to pursue it for the big the big players. They they're not really interested in that. It, right, but uh, isn't this the central it, point? You, you, that, that the central point is that if you just leave it up to the profit motive, if yes, you if you take everything is, yes, everything right. down yes, to the profit yes, motive, yes. and you you you're not concerned, yeah. you don't have any 
oversight, uh, just yeah. put oversight in inverted yeah. commas, because I'm not even talking structurally, but no. at some level, at some yeah. semantic level, you don't yeah. have any oversight in terms of the people's right to know or any content. It's not content dependent at all, right? It, it's, it's not about informing people so that they can make better decisions. It has nothing to do with that. Mm. All it is about, yeah. I mean, all Google's about, yes. let's say, yes. and it seems like yes. a reasonable supposition, is about making money. They're yeah. a corporation. Right. They want to make money as yeah. a corporation. Yeah. And so how do they make money? They make money through advertising. Yes. And the more people who are watching the, and, and utilizing and, and, yeah, and so yeah. forth, the more money that they make. And, and this is something which is not necessarily opposed to, but certainly orthogonal to the values that we were talking about That's earlier right. in yeah. terms of the That's media. That's true. And at one time, and there was a, at this early stage of the internet development, there was a, a new concept of, of a, a new kind of, um, uh, yeah, a new concept of a mass medium that would be based on the personal choice and preference of an individual, was known as the daily me, that Negroponte uh, promoted in the early 90s. And I went to see a talk by him in which he produced an early prototype of a daily me tablet in which a person could find the news as wanted on any topic of a certain kind. So if you were interested in critical journalism, you, you had a, a daily dose on the topics that you wanted. This could be sort of provided to order. But uh, the latest uh, uh, thinking, and I'm, I'm, I'm dependent here on a, um, a book by a man called Joseph Turo called The Daily You. The reality is the daily you in which uh, the data provided from or obtained from the farming of harvesting of all the personal data in particulars is a structuring of, of, of a potential market according to certain market-based or economic-based classifications which pigeonholed potential audiences in a certain category for a certain kind of content. So it was actually... Motivated by advertising. Yeah, it was motivated basically by selling, yeah, by selling goods or advertising. And that was um, the, and partly the result of this so-called big data um, analysis. Uh, and that this has been, you know, all the, all the big players in the, in the, in the, in the internet um, market uh, business are are collecting as much data about their customers as possible, their profiles, sure. whatever. Um, the, the point being that uh, it is not liberating when the providers are actually uh, constructing for you a kind of identity or personality. For their or own agenda. Structure. That's right, yeah, on the, on the basis of, of, of data. So the, 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 uh, the, the, there's a, the, the, daily, the daily me was, I mean, theoretically, some person could still vaguely, and it doesn't exist. It, it's not a, it's not a viable product. The daily right. me because the it goes, it goes against the actual structures yeah, that, right. that are in place. Structures. So now it's not simply, not that I'm suggesting that you can intervene to stop this. You can't make this illegal. This is part of sure. Uh, well, no one's well, suggesting. But it must, there must be alternatives to it, and therefore, there, 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 there have to be. And people, are, I think, I don't say it's. It has to be provided by some benevolent authority, but there has to be some limit set, and the only way of setting limits is, unfortunately, or, or not, just um, just uh, the the market, the the, the monopoly type, anti-monopoly proposals. Once you have a an awareness of what's going on, at least you can begin to. That, that, then that's my point. I mean, you, no one's talking about legislating, but I mean, a, a first step which I think is critical and which you are enunciating right now is understanding the situation. Yeah. I, I mean, the very fact that you're saying, look, 
this was the, the holy grail or the envisioned possibilities of the daily me 20 years ago. Mm. We didn't get there. This is why we didn't get there, because the structures are such that the corporate structures, the economic structures, right. the incentives are, stru are such that they will naturally lead us in a different direction. Right. That alone, I think, is deserving of being highlighted because yes. that yeah. enables us to address the situation. From my perspective, there, there are two things listening to you speak. There is that which is fundamental and preeminent, but there's also this idea that even if somehow we were to uh, circumvent this, this ver very deep structural obstacle so that I could imagine uh, a purveyor, an aggregator mm. that was actually acting in my best interest as opposed mm. to Google's best interest mm. or someone else's best interest, I am not convinced that enough quality stuff is actually out there to be aggregated to begin with. And the reason mm. why I am not convinced that enough quality stuff is out there to be aggregated to begin with is that the structural incentives are not there to produce that mm. sort of material as well. So really, there are, from yeah. my perspective, there, there are two levels. But I, I take your point that raising awareness of this, making people aware of the fact that this was the potential that this sort of um, marketplace of ideas, the freedom, the international aspect, the, the, the ability to be able to pick and choose, which exists theoretically, mm. presented 20 years yeah. ago, has not been realized, and my sense is that not enough people recognize that, that not enough people recognize the underlying mechanisms behind it. So you still hear people say, oh yes, but with the internet now we can all choose. Yeah. We can all do our own things. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it a, a new day that we have this mm. opportunity? And I don't think they fully appreciate the fact that these systemic structural effects are, are, are in place and that are naturally prohibiting mm. them from doing that. Is that your sense as well? Do you, yeah, do you, do no, you have I think a sense? that's correct. They're not, that, they're not necessarily natural. They're, they are man-made, as it were. But they are in, built into the, the, the main structures that are developing the technology and applying, choosing which applications to use and which to, uh, to, to, to develop as, uh, on a large scale. Um, the, the logic of it is, is known uh, it's, it's it's clear the consequences are therefore predictable up to a certain point. And the only thing that, I'm um, not the only thing, but a, a one factor that may, might be overlooked in the preoccupation with the, the new is the, the strength of the old. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, the, 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 the press has not, is, is, is the, the, the established press is declining something like 10% a year or something in terms of, the main mainstream in the, in the United States, and it's it's certainly several percent in the UK, and it's it's across the board the um, the fall in 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 revenue and audience and so on of 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 newspapers, uh, but um, that doesn't mean they will disappear. Um, the, the, there's still big differences in newspaper reading in, all over the world, and it was never it never became fully everyone's. Activity, you know, it was it was in many in some countries quite a minority thing, um, and the the other thing is that um, broadcasting has also remained um, the old um, the, the the transmission, not necessarily broadcasting, but the equivalent of uh, established providers um, with uh, uh, program packages being viewed. Uh, what we might we called television is still there that Indeed. something like I, I saw recently that something like I think uh, in, 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 in across Europe something like three and a half hours a day on average are spent watching television and television that old-fashioned in that old old-fashioned old sense more or less 
91% of, of viewing is takes this form in Europe. Mm. And these are this means that there is there is a lot of life left in the existing uh, structures which are within which have not been undermined yet by alternative uh, providers. So the, and there are still means by which these these organisations are are guided and directed. Most of the established media are institutionally guided in varying degrees. Even you know the f newspapers that seem to offend against social norms. Are, are nominally part of some systems of, of, um, of not, not, not control, but self-regulation. Um, so the means by which society um, exerts some, expresses some demands and exerts some, uh, not, not pressure is not the right word, but um, influence on, on, the, on the quality of the press, are still present uh, to a large degree. So we haven't yet reached the point where these forces for disintegration, or, or rather not disintegration, or, or whatever, whatever the word, forces for um, monopoly con control by large corporations of our media environment are, are um, have got some bound set to them, and um, and it's not, although, the, the, and they aren't, you know, that. Um, are we going in the right very direction? Very reassuring, but it's, it's kind of it's happening. It's happening s s slowly, not gradually, maybe, but not necessarily uh, without limit or, or without end. So the, the you know, it's not. It's too early to to give up. <laughs> so, I suppose. Are you, you, are you, you optimistic? Know. I mean, that doesn't sound like well, a, a resounding. Uh, no, it's not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not terribly optimistic. I mean, <laughs> I'm optimistic. Yes, that in that given given a world that still you know. Working in working order, <laughs> which is a big, it's a big, a big if. if. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, if we have that condition, I, I don't. You know, the, the human spirit is, is is quite is quite resilient. I'm 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 fairly optimistic about the human race <laughs> up to a point. <laughs> Well, that's a wonderful way to end things. Thank you very much, Dennis. It's been, okay, it's no, been a pleasure. Thanks very much it's been for a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this reformatted podcast. As mentioned at the outset, this conversation is also available both as an individual ebook and as part of the ebook and paperback Conversations About Language and Culture, along with separate discussions with David Bellos, Michael Berry, Nick Coldry, and Carol Patton. Those interested in more information about Ideas Roadshow are directed to ideasroadshow.com, while those who are curious about me and other projects I'm involved in are recommended to visit howardburton.com. Thanks very much for listening, and I hope you'll tune into another Ideas Roadshow podcast on the New Books Network soon. We release a new one each Wednesday.